Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another edition of the GCS Connect Leaders Series. Uh, as you probably know now from avid listeners, that GCS Connect is our online community where we bring together the expert talent with the innovative companies that we work with. Smart Tech 24-7 is one of those innovative companies. Um, it's a security consultant based primarily out of Cork. Uh, and we have Andy with us. Uh, he's going to tell me how to pronounce his surname, uh, but I always call him Andy G, uh, who is the CTO um, of uh, Smart Tech. Uh, 20 years experience in IT, eight years within cybersecurity, and his main role is to innovate uh, and, and bring forward innovations for those security products that we use in our in our day-to-day -day lives at the moment. Um, welcome, Andy. Hi, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. How are we doing? Very, very well. And just before we just before we start, just please the the pronounce pronunciation of your of your surname. Um, it's crashed, and David, don't worry about it. Um, since <laughs> the army, uh, everybody just calls me Andy. It's, Andy, it's fantastic! Yeah, I think we've both got. Um, I've got an X in my surname, which always freaks people out. You've got a Z in your surname that. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> so yeah, so it's good. But uh, tell me a little bit, bit more about your about your role and uh, and what you do, Andy, and, and a little bit about Smart Tech, just so we can kind of get a bit of background for you. So SmartTech 24-7, uh, we are a cybersecurity uh, MSSP and a product developing company. Sure. Um, our role is uh, mainly the innovation of new products and improving our services. Um, we are in the business itself for over 10 years now as a company. Um, and I spent pretty much, uh, I think, the last two years in um, building our new platform called Vision X, actually. Um, Vision X, yeah. Yeah, a very exciting time in our organization. We, we just we just started actually uh, building the Vision X platform two years ago, and um, we're expanding now on this. And um, we have lots of conversations between developers, investors, in-house. It's just always crazy. It's always something going on. And of course, then um, getting the right people on board to help us with this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's about having that talent. And we've spoken to a few few people in the last few podcasts where they're you know, almost reaching a, a, a product launch phase. I spoke to a company the other day, I'll come back on to that one. Um, I spoke to a company where they were talking about their, their product. Has it been, you know, has uh, working within um, within the remote environment helped you to, to develop those products or has it been kind of harder, would you say, and more challenging? So remote work, I think, for us as a company was actually a godsend. Hmm. That's a very interesting situation to be in. We are used to work remotely and we have built out our remote capabilities as a cyber security company. We, very, we were very aware of um, potential situations that come, could come in place that we have to work outside of the office. Yeah. Our services up as a business continuity plan dictates. So for us, it was easy to switch over, but it gave us time to focus. And mm -hmm. it helped us understanding what is going on and it helped us transporting our message actually back to the customers more and more because a lot of customers underwent now a transformation of their businesses and it accelerated the digital transformation moving to the cloud dramatically where we actually um, started um, a couple of years ago uh, to building out our expertise and specialization. So mm. it all brought a lot of positive things for our organization. I mean, mm. 
we all have these struggles, of course, working from home and not being able to see our our colleagues, especially new hires. That yeah. is, 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 uh, it makes it dramatically different. And I remember um, a couple of days ago, um, I finally met one of our new hires that is working for a year now in the company. Wow, yeah. Um, and, and, and she needed to collect a, lab, a, a, a screen from work because she wanted an extra screen. Mm. Uh, because she just uh, moved and, and got now finally a bigger place to stay in, uh, which is really interesting. And, 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 and you look at the person, the first time you realize, and you're like, why does this feel wrong? I know you, I talk every day to you, and it feels like you meet a person the first time. And that was mm. crazy. That is yeah, that's right. the yeah, man and human side. It's funny, um, my uh, my colleague who works with me in, in America said the other day that uh, I think we were on a the video call and I stood up and he said, that's the first time I've ever seen uh, below the top half of any of my <laughs> my colleagues. <Yeah. laughs> the first time I've ever seen the legs of any of my colleagues. So yeah, it was an interesting yeah. one. But um, but the, the VisionX product, uh, what, what do you believe, what innovations does that bring to the security market in, in your point of view? So um, the the... What, what, what advantage we have compared to a lot of other product companies is that we started out as a service provider. And right, we okay. identified yeah. gaps in security tool sets. And we're not coming in to reinvent the wheel again. Mm. We just make the wheels better. Sure. Okay. That's, that's yeah. the idea. And so what we did is we said, like, okay, what are the common problems that our customers see and struggles have with mm. cybersecurity? And we went back in and said, like, okay, let's, let's look, look at it. And we had to look actually really on three key points here. And that is actually the cloud transformation that I uh, uh, mentioned already, work from home and all those things. A never ending rise of cyber threats, of course. And then actually the amount of data that companies store these days and the amount of data that we have to, 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 to process and provide cyber security for. Mm. Um, and there's, there's uh, lots of different things that are happening here. We have a sister company that have this unstructured data, for example that came out of our operations. But very importantly today, uh, as we are, we went in and said like, okay, uh, as a SIM provider, we, we know how to detect. But one problem that people struggled with was actually a response. So we built out response capabilities um, okay. into the customer's environment and build out the trust and, and, and restructure our organization also with our product to not only cater for enterprises because enterprises can afford any kind of security, but for the mm. small medium customers. And that was a very important key to us to build something out and look at what is relevant to those organizations and, 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 and bring the enterprise expertise but back to something that is usable for a small medium business. And that's, I guess, sometimes, you know, that I think less and less security has become a luxury um for all businesses but obviously when you build a, a huge enterprise culture then you're obviously building that as part of it but i guess it's, it's true to say that the smes maybe they don't think about it so much or they just use the standard products that come with office or citrix or something like that and they haven't you know it's equally as important for them but maybe they don't put as much thought into it do they so thinking about for example startups so uh, I, have, I have two great examples. We had one customer that started out uh, with, uh, with, with a platform that they built. And as an afterthought came in, oh, we're doing actually services to customers. We need to secure it. Yeah, yeah. And they started working with us and they had to redesign mm. the platform they built because they're totally forgotten about security. Wow. 
screw them back for at least won't mention the name of the company then (laughs) we had another company coming in and there there was so secure to assume that they were actually nearly tripping over themselves and and making their journey harder we had to slow them down and say do not get there what you want so it's very interesting to see and 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 and, uh, it's but from my experience, most customers, uh, cybersecurity today is still a cost factor to lots of companies. Mm. They're not calculating it in as a, something that actually saves cost. Yeah. Cybersecurity is way more than just, oh, there's somebody sending me an email and there's a malicious code in. Mm. It talk, we're talking about insider threats. We're talking about businesses availability. We're talking about so many other things, brand awareness. And we're addressing mm. all those things on our platform to make sure that customers actually are protected. And then the biggest problem is an SME. How do they bring in the talent Mm, to help them with it? This is the other problem. Um, Often companies struggle to get somebody in that has actually the the knowledge to build out their security uh, program. Mm. Or they have one person in and it's it's the IT manager, uh, the CIO, the CSO, and whatever. And it's all under one umbrella. it becomes an afterthought one or the other direction. And that goes back to what you were saying about large enterprises, because obviously they will have three or four people that are focused on security. For for an SME, particular startup, they're very much focused around the development, building a product, and like you said, maybe not thinking about that. And it's interesting what you said there about cybersecurity. I actually had a conversation last week with a guy called Neil from PwC, who is also a head Mm -hmm. of security for that brand, obviously a very different kind of sort of organisation, but... The, that the idea of security adding um more customer service helping customers to use the product making it a a better product to use i.e cybersecurity or security itself being an enabler as opposed to a restriction i think that's really important to look at it like that isn't it and i guess when you're when you're talking to your clients that's what you're what you're trying to to do to build that that impression of it right it's, it's, it's two things really, was it? Uh, uh, unfortunately, cybersecurity is a very scary place to be. Mm, because when we yeah. look at the news, we see the news and, and, and we see and we help customers with breaches and situations. But it's also the, 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 what you say, the enabling to actually give you the feeling that you're secure, that you can actually do what you want to do and you need to do with this. Yeah. And it's a very important part. And that means bridging all the levels in an organization and bringing them together because the problem is what lots of people misunderstand is cybersecurity, the same as physical security and health and safety are actually a concern from the sea level down to the last person in the organization. Yeah. Everybody mm. responsible. Mm. And that is a target of Vision X. We build actually a technology out where we're giving a single pane of glass of lots of information coming together to one spot to enable um, the management and the leadership teams to make risk space educated mm. decisions, understanding what's going on in the, their environment and translating as good as possible cybersecurity into a business view. But mm. on the other hand side, giving the security people that have to carry out the security, the background and the information, the threat intelligence they need to do their job. But more importantly, we're taking even away that part to some extent by automating and having automated responses into their environments. So they don't have to do any more the heavy lifting. There is a regular check-in, of course, on policies and how things work and quality control points. But the going away from 
the traditional service where somebody says, hey, I saw something bad happening in your environment. And here's my recommendation what to do. We go into the point where we're saying like, no, we see something happen and we fix it for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, finding that solution. So it's, 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 it's a different way. And let's be honest, not everything in cybersecurity is dramatically crazy and hard to do. It's just time running. And then automation is the part that we bring into this game. It's like mm. somebody sees something and a firewall brings something up, somebody sees a malicious code or whatever it is in the environment. As soon as picked up on, the important part is that we isolate this as fast as possible. But mm. when you think about um, cyber security language is based on two languages, military and medicine. Yep, okay, yeah. yeah so when, when we talk about an infected system, we talk about patient zero. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> and we know for a fact, and now throughout the pandemic even more, identifying patient zero and identifying the source of the actual virus is the most important thing. In medicine, the same in, 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 in cybersecurity. You need to identify this, isolate, and then look at the rest of the cluster, what is happening here. Mm. And so by bringing in the capability to isolate and threat hunt throughout a customer's environment, and make that affordable to an SME because this was this are services that normally enterprises only can afford. Yeah. We're going on to the next direction. And it brings us to a level where we actually taking responsibility in so many ways. Because yeah. we in the cybersecurity industry, we have a responsibility to everyone. That's not right. Our yeah. customers alone. So we need to, to be able to share threat intelligence as much as we do. And we also bring this into our product. Um, but we also need to be able to just detect, protect, and enable the customer on all levels in the organization to be a part of this journey. Mm. And it goes so far down in our product that we say like, we have even a functionality for an end user to report automatically if they see something going on in their mailbox that they don't understand. And we will actually produce a report and say like, hey, this was actually a phishing attempt, well done, or this is okay, and here's the reason why it's okay. But more importantly, again, if one person sees another mailbox, how many other people have it in the mailbox? So mm. we're going back to that part also and say like, yes, we do the threat hunting. And if you find something malicious in one mailbox, we do it for all mailboxes. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. And that brings so that, that, that builds up, yeah, yeah. that bespoke you, nature, doesn't it? And here you see actually how the end user becomes a tool. So the weakest link in your organization, as people see it always, becomes actually a very strong part, but also it takes away the sleepless nights from the CEO. You know why? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I want more and more to, to have those sleepless nights taken away. So. Yeah, but, the, so, yeah. But, but what is your biggest worry? Is it the worry that somebody finds something or that somebody finds somebody and doesn't tell anybody else and they click it? Yeah, I think, I think for me, I mean, that's a very good question. And um, I think for me that it, it is very much that like we handle a lot of personal data um, and I think our security is quite good as a, as a business, mm. but it's like, and this again is something I think is the reputation, isn't it? Is the reputation, yeah. if you're handling this data and you didn't handle it well, will people entrust you with that data going forward? I don't think we handle any data that particularly is, you know, not available if you really keep looking because basically it's CVs and, and that sort of thing, but it, yeah. it's, it's the reputational element of it, isn't it? I think that's, that's key for businesses nowadays. I think reputation, but as you say, as you say, when you talk about uh, private information as such, uh, we have of course uh, um, all the regulations, and even with um, maybe the UK leaving or have yep. left now, 
um, uh, uh, GDPR is still a part of, of the same rule set that you apply than we apply yep, to. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's not only the reputational part, the reputation is very important, but uh, as you said, like, um, I can find a CV, I can find information on people on the internet. I can find, we have teams that mm. work every day on the dark web finding things for us on C-level people in other in, in the organization we deal with to warn them, hey, somebody is running a phishing campaign and somebody's doing mm -hmm. this, that, all this great stuff. But the important thing is I, as an organization, I have a responsibility. And I think that's, that's a very important thing. And I want to keep the trust of every single user, not just the reputation as a whole brand, but every single, if, if every single customer is important. You're in the recruitment business, so you have a lots of people, applicants and customers, that mm -hmm. looking for 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 talent. I think we all talk about things, and and, and especially with you guys, because we need to talk open about our needs as an organization or as an uh, applicant. Yeah. What I want to do. There's a lots of private shared information and trust built up in very short time. I think for you guys, it is very important, of course, to keep the reputation, but also keeping up the trust with everyone, because I see. I've seen, I've seen situations where something with recruiters went wrong in the past. Uh, one of the, 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 the scariest thing that ever, or not scary for me, but for another person, one of the weirdest thing that ever happened to me, I got actually a contract sent by an organization to me mm. for a company that I never applied to Yeah, under the name of somebody totally else. And what right. happened is somebody got actually my email address from a recruiter into the organization and accidentally used my email address to send out a contract to another person. Wow. Was it a good contract? Do you take it on, Andy? Do you do it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the interest, So the interesting part for me was on that uh, was not that that happened because it's human error. Human error can be replaced with automation. When yep. you not do manual emails, when you do, use the right systems, this can't happen anymore. So that that's, that's that that showed me that this company was yet on a early stage of their digital transformation journey. They were still didn't yeah. understood how to use this. But what's was important to me is I of course reported back to them and said like, hey guys, I'm, I went to the not not to the end user directly. I said like, hey look, um, this happens right now to you guys. Um, could you please inform that person or so that mm -hmm. that happened to you? This is a breach of privacy and so on. And I want them to know that I actually had access to this. Mm. And that it was not yeah. by my wrongdoing. Now the company redeemed themselves relatively fast by actually sending an email to that user in CC with me saying like, hey, we made a mistake here, honest hands up, this and this happened. And I replied to the, the person then and said like, look, I saw immediately that it was not for me. I didn't open anything of your details and I deleted the email. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, that gave them, but um, I suppose that person did that person did not sign the contract and, it, and there's that's where it then becomes processed isn't it it's about looking at every single you know like risk point every single warning point as you're going along and highlighting that and and obviously learning as you're going and going along what what really interests me is you know from within your background obviously you work with siemens and startups as well and you work for you know companies developing software and also consulting services and then the, some of the bigger players do you think that when you when you now speak as a cto to clients and i know a lot of your role is client facing that, that that background really helps you because you've 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 been in their position you've been in different positions so you can kind of see it from different angles is that something that you find useful for yourself i think uh, it makes a huge difference because i can speak a similar language mm. with yeah. customers than they speak. Um, 
it makes it easier to understand and, and trying to put yourself in their shoes. And mm. it's, it's one thing you always say, okay, when you sell something and a CTO sells at the end too, I have to sell our company, I have to sell our, my ideas and visions. It's mm. a very important piece of course to put yourself in the shoes of someone. And when you've mm. been before in the shoes, or at least uh, in a similar role, it's much easier than um, never have done something like that. It, mm. it makes a huge difference. And I think for any role, as it is at sea level management, anything experience and mixed experience makes a difference because we can now combine the shared knowledge of different things. Hey, how did you do this? Uh, this? How did you do that? I worked in television myself. So I have a good understanding. So when we talking to, to, to uh, media companies and other people, it's relatively easy for me to translate into their language. Working yeah. work for uh, Siemens and so on, big cyber security is a concern that most of the time is not actually addresses, for example, uh, OT, industrial mm. controls. Um, being uh, my, 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 my work uh, life origins are from, from electronics. I have been an electrician and, and worked in, in, in uh, electronics for a long term. I worked for Deutsche Telekom, for example, helps me understanding actually what is OT meaning? What are, what are logics behind there? How do they work? Yeah. And when I yeah. talk to a customer, so I guess I understand OT. The first thing is they look at you. Sure. Like, yes, actually, I worked on Siemens technologies. I built manually logic boards that are today programmable. Mm. I understand the very basics of it. I understand what your mm. sensors and what your actuators are actually doing and how they're plugging mm. into your IT. Mm. And when you have this conversation or you can explain how you made a mistake once in your life and that's why you learned. And now I can go back to them and say, hey, this happened to me and I made this mistake and I fixed it. So this mistake, I will never ever make in a customer's environment ever because I understand it. And yeah, I'm that's not right. really cyber security IT guy that comes in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's, it's having that wide range. I'm interested in what you just said there. I think that will kind of resonate with a few people about the CTO selling. You know, the, the, the standard construction of how a CTO works is generally not, I, I, you know, an IT recruiter wouldn't necessarily see a CTO as selling, but you obviously feel that as an important part of what you do. Um, does that make the role more interesting for you because you have that customer interaction and because you have that selling uh, capability? So, or do you... so The interesting part about this is actually everybody forgets that you're all salespeople. Every yeah. single person. It doesn't matter if I'm a doctor, a CTO, whatever I am. I have to sell somebody an idea. It doesn't matter if it's money or the buy-in that they're doing something. So I have a double sales position. Yeah. I have to sell to the outside of the business and into the inside. Yeah, if I, I come up with an idea, I have to convince other people that they back me, that they sponsor me and give me the money to build it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, I have to convince a customer that my product is really good. Now, we have salespeople, we have uh, sales engineers for that. But when it is a larger project, of course, they want to go to the root of all yeah, people, to say. So what I'm building, they want to understand and they want to understand, hey, what is your innovation pipeline? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Mm. And therefore, of course, yes, a CTO is a part of the sales, especially when you build software. Mm. Yeah. More than because, anywhere else. Yeah. And I think it's, it is really, you know, because you're the person, like you said, is potentially partly your idea along with your team. But as the leader, you're the person that's going to be able most passionately to to project that that idea. 
yes. and, and get people excited by it. How, how do you do that? What's your, what are your best, you know, if, if, if a CTO is listening to this and felt they needed to improve how they do this, what, what would your best advice be on, on how to, to buy people into those ideas? Actually, um, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And um, because we had a moment in, in a lot of uh, um, a process of, of bringing uh, the Vision X platform out and, and, and bringing investors in. And the key to everything is talk to your peers in the organization. Present sure. what you do. Tell your story. Because then I, 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 I get on a regular basis destroyed by our CEO. Oh, okay. Like, and it just doesn't work for me. This doesn't work. And at the beginning, I was very upset about it, actually. Okay. You work on it really hard, and you're like, I got it now. I have the idea, and I know what I do there. Mm. And you're like, no, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't flow. And then, <laughs> then they come back. But then the, the good thing is when you have a good CEO or general manager or CFO, whoever you're talking to, or even just you know one of your managers that work mm. for you or whatever, and they give you feedback. Yeah. Take the feedback, take it in, try again, do again. And, and most important thing is understand what you do. And I'd say mm. the, the good old Albert Einstein story, you know, if you can't explain it in simple words, you most likely don't understand it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I think it was Albert Einstein who said it, or, or, or maybe it was uh, um, Stephen Hawkins. I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it's true. I, I noticed that when I present something and I'm not feeling comfortable, that mm. means I'm not comfortable with the material I'm pre presenting. So I have to make myself comfortable. I have to understand it. I need yeah. to be able to answer side questions. And that often means I have to research and talk to people about it actively and repeat myself. And uh, to be honest, one thing is standing in front of the mirror, in front of the computer, and, and just go over it again and again and again. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, uh, as more often you do it, you start hearing words that you say that you don't like. Yeah, yeah. Or, and or, you or, or, them out and replace mm -hmm. them with the right words. And now it becomes something. And then you go in and, and you just present and somebody comes around like, well, that yeah. from? and do and you find yourself doing the same thing now with people coming bringing you ideas to you are you are you are you, are you pulling them apart and sending them away again um sometimes yes yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's so if somebody comes in with a new idea um i would not pull them apart let's let's say because they, they they're coming to me to tell me an idea so i listen to the idea i try and, and i'm trying to figure out what they're doing but what you do then of course is you ask questions yeah that's right Mm. Um, that's how we all learn how much, it? It, how, how much time does it cost you to build this that mm. one are my questions right yeah, who's going to buy this you know? <laughs> and then the, the funny yeah. thing is why should I build it because it's your idea mm. and then it's like if, if, if you want to do this as a, as a project I give you here an offer you know because I yeah. want people involved in innovation that's, that's very important hey you like this now there's a lot of things that comes from us at the moment to the organization from, from top down but we have also the process from the bottom up Mm. That, that, that makes it a very interesting mixed bag of things that are happening. So um, I, I, I like when our guys come in and say like, hey, I have an idea or hey, I solved a problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the best that's, one. Isn't it? Is, is that the sort of kind of environment culture that you're trying to build at Smart Tech? I mean, you, you mentioned already about the innovation and the ideas. Is Within the sort of environment you're in, I, I guess that's really important. I think the key, key to, to our success is that we have very strong teams that um, can be self-sufficient to some extent. Mm. Um, we, 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 I don't believe in micromanagement in the very first place because yeah. micromanagement um, 
restricts people and it doesn't give them a chance to expand to their full capabilities. That's a very important thing. Um, sometimes there are projects where you have to micromanage because it's time sensitive and you have to be on the dot and you have to go back again and again and make sure that everything is done in time. And that are the painful situations in the organization that nobody likes. I don't like it, my employees don't like it, but we have to do it. That are the must have to do things. And then everything else should be, um, and, and be working on it. Um, and it's hard work again and again to, to, to stop sometimes what we do and start listening again. Because we're all getting at some stage, you know, we, we always start like this, wide open. And then we narrow down and at some stage we get to tunnel vision. Yeah. And then you need to break this open again. You need to get out of your tunnel vision because as long, when, when you start with a tunnel vision, you become perfect in one thing, but there is no perfect. No, no. So we need to broaden this up. And the, the only people that can do that is our peers again. Mm. And, and the people that work, that work day to day with me, my team, mm. because they come in and say like, Andy, this is stupid. Why do we do this? And then we yeah. argue about it. And I, I, I like those conversations. Mm. Um, not because there's often things where I said, like, you think about this, 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 and I win. No, because they make me think about what I'm talking about. Mm. They make me think, oh, do we do this actually right? Do mm. we treat the people right sometimes? It's a simple thing. It's not always innovation in the form of idea, but innovation of process. Mm. How do we do things? It's also very important. It's not only the, the product itself. It's how we deal with each other, how we deal with our customers, and how do we make things work? And there's so often where somebody says, hey, Andy, you know what? This is really cool and it works, but can we do it this way? Mm. And how often that happened. And first, you know, there's comes your own ego also in place. Like, but I made this idea. I made this process. I don't want to change it. You just have to jump over your own shadow. And, and the same like present, for presentations and, and swallow your own pride for a moment and just go back and reflect on it. And yeah, that's right. That reflection actually makes those decisions um, that actually are changing the small the small butterflies. Yeah, you know, change actually the whole course of something happening. Totally, and then I think a good leader is is someone that will be open to ideas. You can't say I want to build a culture with with ideas and then not be open to those ideas. But also, you know, bear in mind the types of people they need within their organization. To build those ideas you're, you're obviously trying to build that sort of culture so what what, what types of people what, what types of things do you really look out for in the people that you interview that you think can bring the right type of culture so, to you yeah so the, the first thing of everything is basic knowledge there's okay. one yep. one thing um which is, is really important but what i see constantly is when people oversell themselves and their cvs and they just don't even understand the basics Yes, yeah. it's, it's a huge problem throughout the industry because cybersecurity is IT plus cybersecurity. So you need to understand IT basics, for example. Yeah. If you don't understand them, I can't help you because we're moving so fast and we talk so fast and cybersecurity is so fast changing consistently. That's one thing. And when that is done, the next thing is very first, how do you fit into the team? How do you culturally fit with our organization it's the most important thing are you innovative are you are you capable of solving problems by yourself are yeah. you thinking out of the box so we have typical we have, we have three four typical questions in an interview 
that help us identifying if a person A is able to solve a problem. Yeah. And, and going really the steps from A to B to C and not just jumping to conclusions because yeah. they thing this way. That, that's the first thing. And then people that are team players is a very important thing. How do they fit into the team? Can the team, because as soon as you have one or two people in a larger team or even in a smaller team that are just not fitting in, yeah. mm. it becomes really a hard bit for the whole team to deal with it. For me as a leader, because I always have to firefight and go in between small issues for yeah. the rest of the team, because everybody has to take special care of this one person. And that makes an, and, and, and that person feels then at some stage victimized in the worst case scenario. Yeah. And, and that is a situation that, so it is very important to identify, is this person fitting into my team? Yeah, the culture then, that you need, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's a very important, it's a very, so it's, it's a, so what, what the, the thing is attitude, the right attitude is a, is a key to every, any higher, because everything else we can teach to some extent, but the basics are there. It's like, um, I, I would love to, to, to uh, the, the, my, 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 my dream employee is someone that I just say, here's a problem, fix it. And they just ask, what, do, what are the tools that I get for that? And that's, yeah, that's right. that is my dream. Now, I learned, especially in my role now, that mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that I bring to the table is, is, is experience more than anything else. And that experience yeah. gives me the, 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 the capability to connect bits and pieces in the world and bring up ideas and fix problems. With yeah. younger people, I can't get that experience. Mm. They, they need to build this experience. So what I need to, to, to be able to do, take away the fear of falling on your face. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's my job, make mistakes. Mm. I would say there's two things that are important in my team is number one is, uh, there's no stupid questions unless you ask them three times. Yeah. And when you ask the same question three times to the same person, you just still don't understand that you make a mistake. You should have gone the second time at least to somebody else because you maybe just explained it wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think I think it's very true. You you have to have that open culture, don't you? Yeah. Where where particularly if you're thinking about innovation, about change, uh, and and you have to have that yourself and, and and now coming into the kind of the post-covid world and you, you're obviously hiring at smart tech how are you seeing the, the kind of talent landscape particularly within the security arena changing you already mentioned that it's it plus so obviously it adds to the complexity of what is ne needed have you have you seen difference in the types of applications that you're getting are you changing your your style of interviewing anything like that so um I think the style of interviewing is changed like we do it now in 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 a remote format instead of face to face, which brings up some challenges. Um, we had situations where people had actually somebody sitting in the same room pretending they can't turn on their camera, and they could hear people whispering. Wow, okay, I hadn't heard of that one, but I've heard that, of a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is that is one. So we 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 figure we 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 adjust a little bit how we interviewed and how we ask the questions sometimes just to see that somebody is not googling on the fly on their phone yeah. so don't hear them typing <laughs> anymore yeah. we've seen so many things um but um yeah that is one thing but um overall i, I think that the, the scary bit is right now and, and, and covid gave people the opportunity to do lots of courses mm. but get a lot of um people that not really know 
They did the course, they have the certification, but they never did it in real life. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. depends on experience problems. Really, but I get lots of CVs these days where I can see 10 certifications in the last year. Mm. Yeah. And I look at that CV and say, like, okay. And then I look at another CV where some guy comes in and has 10 years or five years experience, but not a single certification or CV. Mm. And I try not to be biased and I interview both guys. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. In 80% of the cases, the guy with less certifications, but a little bit more experience is a guy mm. that can do the, or, or girl, we, we yeah. don't care in our company. So it's a very important thing also that I learned over the years. We build sometimes stereotypes in our minds up. You have to break them down when you recruit. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So very important thing. It's, it's, it's really because you go just due to experience that you had with people and, and stereotypes, you need to break them consistently down. So um, we hired um, in the last year two amazing people. And um, they would have um, not passed the over a pint of beer with your friend discussion you know, about stereotypes. They would never would have passed it to a company. But by breaking this down into saying, take your bias away. And, and, and because we all are, we, yeah, are. Yeah. we cannot free ourselves. It doesn't matter who it is. And so take it away and, and, and just go in, be not biased, just be open-minded let them tell their story. I think it. that's sometimes the the interesting thing. I mean, being in recruitment so many years, the the, the CV, resume, whatever is is such an important tool to, to to present someone, but it's also such a barrier to to creating a stereotype. You know, we we call it in in recruitment CV blindness. Yeah. So if I look at like I I look you know as a recruiter, I look at hundred CVs a day. If I've seen one that I thought looked good at the start of the day. By the end of the day, I can't see anything good about any other CV. Yeah. Then you look sometimes at people that, that that get jobs and you look at the CV and you think to yourself, how did this person get this job? I, I can't see it. I can't see it from the CV. Yeah. But then you speak to the person, you understand the person. And like you said, like breaking down those stereotypes, I can see exactly why this person got this job. So you, you have to use the CV as a, this, this person has basic knowledge, but talking to someone interviewing them and and getting to know them although it might take a little bit more time i think it's really really important as a leader to yeah. to, to break down those stereotypes which are so 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 damaging in this day yeah. and age isn't it and, and it makes it makes a huge difference it's like um uh one one, one example for example again is new talent um we yeah. had two people more or less fresh out of college and university sure so and if you ask me normally um i I would say like, okay, um, what people learn in college and university doesn't help the job. Yep, yeah, yeah. I've, and I've said that many times as an IT they, A lot of stuff that the universities teaches is out of date. Yeah. It's not relevant and it doesn't give you experience. Sure. Most, yeah. most people, one fresh out of college, um, but typical gamer builds his own computers and sure. actually did a lot of practical work for his mm. thesis and actually not only research, but tried out the things that he researched. So I can put him in front of a computer day one and he could do the work actually. How many customers, how many applicants I've seen that I literally have to tell how to turn on a computer nearly. Yeah. They have all the theoretical stuff. And the other person had a couple of years uh, tech support experience in India. Mm. So, but not directly uh, related to what we do actually in the cyber world, but did then the masters in cyber and everything. So, and in the interview we went in and there was 
it was a really good interview already and, and it felt like a good fit, but there was a few things that we were open. And instead of going down the route of, of running another interview and another interview to figure this out, we said like, you know what, how about we give you a little challenge? Mm. Something simple, easy, something that is easy to do. So we did, so, and, and to be fair, we did that then with three, four candidates in a row. So like we're not giving it only to one, but so we open the store up to everyone to prove themselves. And the interesting part is this person, we, we, we gave them a week to do it. Mm. And the next day, the person came back here, done. Yeah, that's right. That's what that's, and that's what you want, isn't it? Like you said, like, if I give you a problem, you'll, you'll solve it. You and know? and, and we, looked at, uh, we looked at it and the most important thing was about this, it was, we, we, we had a very simple task set up, just uh, extract some data with Python and reformat the data in a more legible format. That was all we did. Nothing crazy, a little bit regex, a little bit Python. So something that you can expect from somebody that says they have Python on their CVs. This one person blew us away. I mean, wow. yes. Mm. And this person was in not even a half a year, took one of our biggest customers on leading mm. a project, which I would say was other people building up that trust would have taken a year normally easily yeah. because this person was just so good and she was so good engaging with with, with customer and everything and there was never a but or mm, i'm not sure it was always like hey yes um maybe we can do it this way better and the whole attitude and the knowledge coming together and, and it makes a huge difference yeah, that's right. And I guess, and I guess, like we we've spoken already on this about how lead leaders use their experience. I mean, maybe this is a point where the leaders shouldn't use their experience because that's what builds up stereotypes. You know, yeah. this type of person always works, but not always. And sometimes this type of person works. And maybe in this day and age, we need to be much more open to that. Yeah, and sometimes it's also important. What I notice in recruitment is we have to be flexible with the rules that we show mm. up there in the market. That it is a very funny thing again that happened here. We were looking for a cybersecurity um, engineer, as we call it, software engineer, whatever you call him these days. Yeah. Um, uh, and we got one guy in, and he, he had such a good uh, capability of communicating. So, mm. you know, so engineers should be able to communicate. There's no question about it. You know? mm. But that person has such a strong customer focus and capability. And we said, like, okay, if you hire this person, this person will be probably bought in the position within a couple of weeks. Because, mm. um, and, 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 and we went and actually, we, we, we spoke about it with, with, with the team and said, like, why don't we just actually create the technical account manager position finally that we always wanted? But yeah, that's right. Did. Mm. And one of the greatest decisions that we made it was a team decisioning. And here comes a very important part as a leader, talk to your peers. That's right. Trying to create something, trying to think outside the box. So, so I think I went in and, and, and I share the, the sharing process with, with our general manager and our team lead. So we, we go over all candidates together and we talk about the, the, the goods and bads, of course. And gut feeling is an important thing sometimes also. But the one thing was like we both loved the general manager and I, we both loved the guy. But we said like he, was, he would be not, not wasted, but he has so much talent on the other side. So that we actually said like why don't we just bring him into the role that we always spoke about but never built brilliant so you um, you 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 adjusted according to the skills which is another it, it, it's, it's a very very unusual thing to do actually 
because most of the time we have a budget and a uh, um, a headcount that we want to fill. I find I find the best. I mean, we've 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 talked a lot here, and you know, it's been a very interesting. But I find the best companies can be flexible to take on talent. At GCS, we always talk about connecting expert talent to innovative companies. But part of that is to recognise expert talent and see how they'll fit into your organisation. And the more flexible you can be, the better team you can build. You know, you you yeah. you form it about the people that come to you, not necessarily about what you exactly need to fill. But yeah. but no, that's a, it's been a it's a great conversation today, Andy. You know, it's it's, it's great to it's great to, to to speak to someone that that matches up leadership alongside innovation. And I think um, the way you kind of think about it and talk about it is very very interesting. So I really uh, value your input today, uh, and um, and good luck with the when is the product launched or has it been launched? Well, the product is already there and we're using it in the uh, in, in the enterprise space. But we um, will be launching actually a uh, the new SMB version on I think in May. Fantastic. And, thought, um, and we we bring in a new a new product in May that we are on a large scale. We we have the product already running on an enterprise level, but we bring it now as a more user friendly SMB version at Snowfish. Uh, that's that's one of my first babies that I introduced here. So that will be also at the beginning of May coming into the early access phase, and, and that is very exciting. And, and that makes again. The pains that we go through sometimes and the torture that we bring on our, up on ourselves that's that right. makes it worth it because you you can go there hey you see that there on the web page my yeah. team built that <laughs> you know that's right yes that's, that's the thing what we can do. be greater <laughs> fantastic well great to speak today thank you much andy and uh, and see thank you, you soon thank you, Talk to you soon. cheers bye